welcome back to the What The Folk Sunderland Review Show. Sunderland slipped to a third defeat in five as Tony Mowbray's side slipped to a 2-1 defeat at relegation threatened Stoke City. And all in all, it's not been that great of a weekend, if we're completely and utterly honest. Um, as is standard, when we get beat, there's only one man to join me this week. <laughs> um, how are you, Dave? You all right? Yeah, very well, mate. We'll uh, we'll pick the bones out of this, I think. Probably probably stuff that we say every time we get beat, but uh, hopefully there's a bounce back. We haven't got a boring international break to put up with this time to put it right. So, uh, although maybe we could deal with the international break because mm. I don't think Tuesday is going to be pretty, is it? No. Uh, and we'll get on to Leicester. We're going to do a bit of a preview on this one because we don't normally do the previews of the the week, uh, the week midweek games, but like, you know, why not? Um, we don't want to labour too much on Dr. Evil beating Sunderland again. Um, but we're like 24 hours later. We're actually probably a little bit later than we probably ever have, Dave. So we've had that 24 hours, to, like proper 24 hours to digest it. How are you feeling after 2-1 loss to Stoke? Oh, um, yeah, see, let's be honest. I think 90, 90% of Sunderland's fan base, just to pluck a, pluck a percentage out the air, absolutely despise Alex Neil. And, mm. and while I am very disappointed in him and the way that I'm, I'm that parent, and I'm like, I'm not angry with you, I'm just disappointed. Um, I, he's, he's, a, he's a clever football manager, he, especially in games like this. We've seen it before. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed his his management style when we played Chef Wed in the um, in the second leg playoff semi final. Like even he knew exactly how the game was going. He knew that we went one 0 down, but he also knew that we'd still have a chance in us. Um, and obviously, we all know how that panned out. And I just think he's very astute. I think it's a very good a very good word for him. Um. Listen, Sunderland have got, there's the first listen of the day. Sunderland have got a very, very soft underbelly. We play a very attractive football. We're very good at it. But when things get a little bit rough and tumble, when um, when the man in the middle doesn't have the greatest game of his life, I'm not sure I've seen a man in the middle have a good day recently. Um, it, all, it all contrives to go against you. And that's what yesterday was. We can't dwell on it but we've suddenly gone, and it is amazing how fickle football is, but we've suddenly gone from one defeat in five to now three defeats in five, and it just looks a little bit different, and it takes a bit of a turn, and it's a shame. I, I think I, we were just talking before, weren't we? I think we miss a, a bit of experience. Jesus Christ, when was the last time Corey Evans played a football game? It, you'd, you'd like to think we'd have addressed that. Um few people whinging on X, formerly known as Twitter, yesterday of um of three centre forwards on the bench and not one of them coming on until 70 minutes or whatever it was. Frustrating. I think that's what we always say, isn't it? Every time we get beat, we say we're frustrated. And unfortunately it could be a long week of frustrations because as you said, we'll we'll talk about less later, but they are they are way above anything else in this league I think and and we'll see how we get on I think undoubtedly like the ambition this season I think minimum would be to have a real good stab at the playoffs based on last season I think the optimistic ones among us including ourselves um, said we fancied automatic if we really went for it and we're just looking at the table there and I think you know there's been a few games when we've came on this season and we've we've lost 
and we've discussed like how it's kind of not been. I mean, I thought we deserved a draw yesterday. If I'm honest with you, there's been a few games where I could say exactly the same. But I'm looking at the the league table, and you've got like a top six there. Um, Leicester have won eleven, drew none, and lost one. They they've won the league as far as I'm concerned. They're eleven points ahead of Leeds. Ipswich have won nine, they've drew one, they've lost one. Um, but then you look at Leeds who are in third, six points behind Ipswich. They've won six, they have lost two, but they've drawn four of those games. Now, they're only actually three points ahead of us, but those three points are big. And then you look at Sunderland's run, we've won exactly the same amount of games, but we've lost five and we've only drew the one. Is it a bit of a worry that in these tight games, we can't seem to at least sneak a draw when we're not firing all cylinders, which you can never expect to be, especially with a young team? Yeah, frustrating because I think if you listen back to last the end of last season, possibly even the the season review, we said if if next year we can turn our draws into wins and if we can turn our losses into draws and become a little bit more experienced together as a group and stuff like that, then it'll stand us in good stead. And yeah, it does appear as all the same frustrations are coming. But yeah, the same frustrations seem to be there. But is that a case of, of what we've been seeing for a while? And for as much as we can be very positive about the model, and I'm not trying to turn it into a, a tit for tat, there has been glaringly obvious pieces of the jigsaw missing. And they're still missing, aren't they? Uh, and we can see about, like I've, I've already said about Corey Evans coming back. If you go back to it, would would a Danny Bart have stood up well in that game yesterday? I think he probably would have. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get hung up on former glories or anything like that. But is it a game to play two really expansive ball playing centre halves? Maybe he's not, and it might be it might be a little bit nicer to have someone there as an option to change it. That's something we don't have, and that's a bit frustrating, really. I think you could even look at. I mean, look. I know we haven't seen much of him. I don't know much of him, but every time I see him, that Jensen Seals just walking in the ground and that, he's massive. And I thought, I wonder if like he might have been maybe a slightly better option um, when you could quite clearly see it wasn't working massively um, to go maybe a back three and have O'Nine as like your left-hand side. But I mean, I, I don't know. It's all like hindsight and it's all wonderful, isn't it? I probably just wouldn't have changed the team beforehand and I probably just would have had Ballard no nine starting the game before the game. And it's easy for me to say, well, maybe I would have done X, Y, and Z afterwards. But um, I think a lot of the time when we talk about the games that we've won, we come on and we talk about how good it's been because the lads are so fearless and they play such nice football and we look so good when we're going forward. And that doesn't really change even when we lose in terms of like, we do look good going forward. We just haven't got the goal. But when we do lose it does come down to that little bit of like, ah, we missed this, this little bit of experience here and, and there. Are we just kind of at a point now where we maybe need to accept that that's how something's going to be and we're going to get frustrated some weeks when we get like dicked off a team like Stoke who are actually, I mean, I know Stoke fans aren't going to like this, but there's a reason that they're like 20th or whatever on the table. They're not that good and they're certainly not good to watch. But do we just need to get used to the fact that sometimes like that's going to happen, that's the model we've got and whether we like it or not, the experience and the now is not always going to be there because we're trying to get this experience into these young players nice and early. So in two or three years' time, it's not going to be a problem. Yeah, the, the, there is that argument. And I'm sure that's probably what's said behind closed doors, isn't it? And 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 fair play. Um, 
it depends what your ambition is, I suppose, isn't it? I mean, there's going to be we listen, we without thinking about it too much now, we can probably name five teams where you're gonna get that game. That's ten fixtures throughout the season. And that's that's picked on five teams. So you're gonna go a QPR, you're gonna go a Stoke, you're gonna go a Huddersfield, you're gonna go a Cardiff, a, a Rotherham. There's five without even thinking who probably know their own limitations, they probably know their own aspirations and realise that we have a bit of a soft underbelly. If they close up shop, if they kick us a little bit, if they do this, masters of the dark arts, I think they used to call it, when I, for the for the old Italy team. And, and Italy have won major championships through doing it before. Um, at what point do we, do, at what point do we sit there and go, right, this has happened enough. So if I'm talking 10 fixtures there, they already had 10 fixtures out of last season. So you're suddenly you're suddenly getting on for, for 20 games out of what 90 sorry, 86 over two years. That's that's getting on for a quarter of your games. You've kind of I suppose at some point you've got to stop making excuses, don't you? Because we are gonna to have to play a percentage of our games against teams like that. And how long how long do we put up with it for? I, I guess, again, it depends what your aspirations are for the season. But if you want to go, Luton did a job at us, didn't they? At Kenilworth Road. And that's the reason that we're not potentially playing in the Premier League because they did a job on us We uh, that day. I mean, Jesus, Luton, Luton did that much of a job that we sat there after and went, yeah, we didn't have a sniff. We just didn't. The, the pitch was too tight. We couldn't get out of our own half, blah de blah. Everything we threw at them and it just didn't work. Yeah, it's it's the word I keep using. It, it seems to be the word that I've used for the last three seasons when we get beat. It just becomes frustrating. I think I'm like the reason I asked I asked that in a really long-winded way was I put down one of the questions was what do you put the defeat down to? But I feel like whenever we're having the conversation about a defeat, Cardiff a few weeks ago. Um, Middlesbrough last week you kind of point to the fact that you know when we're not firing all cylinders and like being brilliant going forward or we can't quite get that goal the experience kicks us in the balls a little bit like the experience not to be able to kind of maybe sit in a bit and and hold and not let our heads drop last week against Borough the ability to understand that Cardiff dropped really really deep and that we had to try something different to get around the back of them the other week and then you know, they could they score like all day on. Yesterday was just a bit about soap being a little bit more streetwise. And look, the first goal is a handball. I'm not even going to go into referees because it is, it just is. Like, I can't be bothered to go on about it again this week. It's a handball. But it all seems like every time we do lose, it does kind of stem back a little bit to, ah, it's just a little bit of inexperience. And I think almost like, do I now have to be content with like the positives that I'm finding from Sunderland? when there is a bit of negative and we do lose, is that what it's just down to? Like, I mean, we talked about that Cardiff game. It was probably Trey Hume's an experience of not putting the ball out for a throw and trying to be a bit clever and pass it back to Pat or giving away a corner we conceived from the corner. And I just think a lot of it comes down to that little bit of lack of nous in the middle. Um, maybe a Corey Evans type. Um, he's going to be the new buzzwords, I think, on the show. Like, But like that kind of player, and I think maybe we just... There's no point in talking about remedying it 
because it's not going to remedy. That's not the way Sunderland do it. And I suppose we just have to crack on to it. But um, I think one thing that got a lot of people asked for listener questions, and we're going to do mainly listener questions this week before we go into a little bit of a preview of the Leicester game. But um, one question that a lot of people have asked is the really obvious one. Mowbray spent a lot of time last year complaining about like that lack of striker. Um, saying that he felt like we we didn't have all the tools to win games, even at the start of the season. He's now got three, um, a variation of them. He's got Burster, who's big and strong and can hold the ball up. He's got Hamia, who's a bit raw, but can like win balls in the air. And you've got like a little tricky one that can go on the shoulder and Rusin. Starts them all on the bench and put Pritchard up front. Um, why do you think he's done that? Oh, I, I wish I knew. Um, it has to be. It has to be more to do with the the other three of them, and, and maybe maybe he's way of being a bit hypocritical in the fact that Pritchard's the experienced one. However, Pritchard isn't an experienced centre forward, so that counteracts that argument. Um, we've seen enough times with things like that that it just wastes someone like Pritchard and then almost becomes a waste of a shirt. At least if you had a, a burst or up there, he seems to favour him over Hermia, and that's fair enough. But if you had a Hermia up there yesterday, you would think that, listen, lads, just even if you only give me 45 minutes of running their two centre-offs ragged and pinning up against them and tire them out a little bit, and then we can maybe bring a Royce in on and, and try and get through that way. Yeah, it seemed really peculiar to me. And we'd said we'd said a bit last year when when people were out injured and people were covering in there. It almost tells those three on the bench that you don't trust them enough to play in certain games. That can't be good for them. And yeah, Pritchard, we know he'll we'll know he'll run his heart out, but He's not the quickest. He hasn't got the best stamina in the world. It's a thankless job up there when you're a centre forward and you've got a bit of body strength about you, let alone uh, when you're the type of player that pritches. So, yeah, very strange, very peculiar. And ultimately, when things like that don't work out, you have to you have to answer the questions. And um, yeah, I think there is a big question mark over that. To be fair, I think like even like the last half an hour. Whenever the strikers came on, because he brought on Rusin, uh, Burstow, and Dak all at the same time. Like I'm not going to hammer him too much, but like Bradley Dak put in an absolutely horrific performance yesterday. He looked so off the like off the pace; it was untrue. That might just be down to fitness. He was looking all right before he got injured, so I'm not going to hold it against him too much. But the fact that like it almost felt like we were playing with like a man off up front. The fact that we had Burstow just holding stuff a bit, and then when Hamia came on. Like I say, we probably deserved a draw yesterday. We've, we've hit the post from a free kick, which is ironically from Bradley Dack. Um, and Ballard then has hit the post. And Clarkie's had a few chances. Like, Rusin's looking, like, sharp and stuff. But I think it, it like, proved that, like, when you've got something to hit up front um, and someone that's playing the role of a striker, like, you see other players come into it, even if Dak, who was basically the Pritchard replacement, wasn't even firing on all cylinders. And I, I do agree with you on Pritchard. I think I think Pritchard's massive to us. Like, I'm a real big fan of Alex Pritchard. I think he helps us press a lot more from the top. He is an excellent number 10. I think he's one of our most creative. I do think, and, and I thought about this bit yesterday, look, I absolutely love Patrick Robertson. I, like, adore him. But that assist and goals column doesn't seem to be getting any better, whereas Pritchard's 
for me, always looks like he's more likely to pull off an assist. But when I think when he plays as the false nine, he doesn't look like scoring and he, he looks a bit lost a little bit because it's not his position. So I don't know, before we move into listener questions, do you think it's when he's doing stuff like this, am I being a bit cynical here? But is Mowbray sending a message to say like, I need an experienced centre forward? Um, or am I just being cynical here? We, we've asked the same question at the beginning of the season before we had before we got Royston in didn't we we said like is he not playing Hamia for that exact reason to try and send a message I think if he is going to if he has been playing those games and if he consists if he consistently tries to play those games I think there's only going to be one winner and unfortunately it's not going to be him because what they'll do is they'll find somebody who will work with what they've got who will try and find different answers to the puzzle. And you've got to give him some credit. He played a big chunk of last season without a centre forward and still got us to where we got to. Um, But then it did become a bit of a one-trick pony in certain games and certainly in the semi-final down at Kenilworth Road. He's going to have to start adding a few more strings to his bow. There is starting to be murmurs of, is he that much of a one-trick pony that He's not going to take us as far as the Premier League. Uh, yeah, if if that's the case, it's you don't want to talk about changing manager, and I'm, I'm not suggesting that we should. But that's what he's got. He's now got three, and that's going to be Speakman's answer to him, isn't it? You wanted centre forwards. You've now got three of them. We've got your job, who we think is just an excellent athlete and can play anywhere. You need to start working out the problems now and, and start giving us answers. If you can't, we'll have to find someone else. Yeah, I, I think... I don't think he's helped himself by not playing any strikers yesterday. I really don't. Uh, we've spoke a lot about like the going forward and the inexperience and stuff like that. One thing that we probably haven't touched on, in this, but I've said it now, so here we go. Clean sheets, 4-12, and 12, conceded 6 in the last two. Um, Okay, look, two games before that, I think we kept two clean sheets. So you could say we've had two clean sheets in the last four. So um, we're getting there. But I think O'Nine's played quite well this season. I think Ballard's been absolutely superb all season. But when goals are getting conceded, there was a bit of a worry there. Um, How do we improve that? If you have the answer, I suppose that's... uh, We've got the new manager, I guess. Like, but how would you improve it if if you could? Yeah, um, I unfortunately think our the majority of our problems come from that lack of experience and and just being naive at times, like you'd said about Tri Hume before, and it, yeah, certain things are just avoidable. I mean, we can we can say that. Yesterday, it was handball. And you're right, it was, undoubtedly it was. But right back, are they five yards away from the player? Should they be tighter in before he gets the chance to... Well, in, if you're breaking it down as a coach, if if my right back did that, I'd be fuming. I'd be like, yes, okay, it's handball. However, you've still got to do your job. You've still got to do your job. And I think he was five yards out of position, to be fair. Um yeah, I, I just think if you've got a if you've got a centre midfielder there who's got a bit of nous, 
or you've got another big centre-half besides Ballard to do a bit of just who's been there and done it and got the T-shirt, then I think that's where it comes from because I don't think... I don't think that there's much else you can you can do in that situation because of the way that we play and we try to make it expansive. But yeah, there's a little bit of naivety in there of would someone, whether it have been a more experienced right back, whether it have been a centre midfielder, have said, listen, we haven't secured possession of the ball. You can't be out on the touchline. I'm exaggerating. He wasn't that far out wide. But someone to tell him that I, th- I think would be essential whether that's a goalkeeper, whether that's a centre-half, whether it's a centre-mid. I just think someone who's been there, done it and seen that situation 20,000 times instead of 100 times makes a massive difference. On the flip side, just to kind of give a bit of balance, I've just looked at the first 12 games last season when Danny Bart played almost all of them. We had five clean sheets in 12, so only one better. So maybe something that just really crap at defending no matter who we put there. So who knows? Um, we'll move on to listeners' questions. Quick fire a little bit because there's some really there's a few quite good ones to be honest. Uh, we have one here from Tim, which I think is good, which I think is worth bringing up. Are we getting enough from Roberts? He, I think he's a fantastic talent. I love watching him dribble. So do I. However, I'm not seeing any end product in assists or goals. Uh, I kind of agree, if I'm honest with you. Like. I love watching Patrick Roberts. He's one of my favourite players. Like, I just think his talent with the ball at his feet is unbelievable. But even yesterday, he spun a lad and you just think, oh my God, how's he done that? That looks incredible. And then got the assist wrong. Um, This season, he's played 10 games. He's got no goals. He's got no assists. Kind of speaks volumes. Last year, he got five goals and seven assists, which I don't think is too bad. But this season, he hasn't got a goal or an assist. I'll pass it to you as well, Dave, because, like, look, doesn't mean my opinions doesn't mean I'm right, but I suppose it's a solid question to ask, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, massively. Um, <laughs> you take it for granted at the time, don't you? And, and again, I, I keep saying I'm not trying to get hung up on former glories, but I wonder how many of Patrick Roberts' assists last year were give the ball seven yards to Ahmed Diallo and then he puts one in the top corner. I suspect there was actually probably quite a few of them. <laughs> and I've never really looked at it like that before. Um, which again, and and this is a, a huge statement, but Diallo going, we knew we needed to replace him as well as you can do, because I think it's a it's a freak that the bloke played championship football for a season, if I'm honest. Um yeah, that could be something to do with it. Have we slightly tweaked our style a little bit? Yeah, but we we've gone from thinking that we isolate Jack Clark out of his own so he can get one on one. Jack Clark's still doing it, is he? he? He's still getting the assist. He's still getting the goals. So, yeah, very frustrating. Um, and I'm I'm not quite sure why the assists aren't ticking for him. Maybe his his decision making slightly off and stuff. Is there a little bit of head turn because the likes of Southampton were after him? Who knows? But. And certainly not coming off from, and I'm a huge fan of fan of Patrick Roberts. I think he's, uh, I think he's absolutely brilliant. You were gonna, you were gonna say I'm a huge fan of Fat Rick Roberts. They went, <laughs> um, me too. Like I, I love him. He's one of the most talented footballers I've ever seen at, at Sunderland. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter how many flashy turns and skills and stuff you do, and you look like a magician if you're not putting any assists or goals on the board. Then I don't know. I'd, I'm only looking really quickly that he's assists and stuff there, and the ones he's got. I would be interested to see how many assists he has, two assists, like how many key passes he's kind of created and stuff like that. That that might tell a bit more of a tale. But I do think, and I do kind of agree with him there that we're probably not getting enough from him in terms of just assisting goals because he hasn't got any this season, so you can't really disagree with it. Uh, one from Connor, has Mowbray reached his ceiling and struggling from overachieving last season? Ooh, good question, that. What do you think? I, I had quite a few people when when Mowbray took over um, uh, excited by the appointment. Um, I think it was safe to say me and you weren't the most excited over it. Um, he certainly gave us a good ride last year um, and done wonders for, for the restrictions that he had on him based on injuries. Um, I don't think he's, which is very hypocritical of me because I had us going up as uh, second this year and it might still happen, to be fair. You know, there is there is still a chance out there. I think Leicester are going to run away with it. Um I can understand why you'd say that. I, I, I don't. He doesn't inspire me with enough confidence going into. If you needed a must-win against a Millwall, um, in the semi-final of a of a playoffs, do I think he's got enough in the locker tactically to to get us the win? I don't necessarily think he does. So. Uh, depending on what we think the ceiling is, we're still in the playoffs at the minute. Obviously, we've still got quite a big bit of the season to go. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think he will solidify us comfortably um, as promotion contenders. Does that mean he's not worth sticking around for? I, I suspect he's probably got the rest of this season to, to have a good run at it. But I do think if he gets to the end of this season and we haven't gotten in the playoffs, yeah, I think if he I think if he doesn't get us in the playoffs, I, I think I think his his tenure would be up at Sunland, to be fair, just based on the fact that I think they'd want to see progression. And and if he doesn't get into the playoffs, and again, we're we're really early. I'm not being cynical here whatsoever. But if we don't make the playoffs, then I, I think they would probably try a different direction and, and try someone else if I want us. I'm going to um, not agree with you, but I'm going to say like at this moment in time in August, eh, in August, October, um, I'm going to reserve judgment till the end of the season. I think no matter what happens over the next however many months, I think it deserves the season to have a bit of a shot. Um, I can understand the worry, but like football is one of those things, isn't it? I think he's probably overachieved with the team last season. And I think we always said that would add extra pressure to the team itself and, you know, the manager because expectations have risen. At the minute, he's got a sixth, so he's no further ahead, no further behind than he was at the back end of last season. And he's got a number of months in a January transfer window to try and make that better. Um, another question. Let's have a look. Uh, a lot of people just asking why there's been no striker. Uh, I don't know. Um, do you need any guests? Well, evidently, yes. Um, <laughs> at the minute, yes. Um, question from Bowser is quite good. 
we're sometimes are we sometimes too idealistic in the way we approach games? Do we not need to learn to win ugly, more ugly at times, like Norwich away, for example? Uh, yeah, I think we do. I think there's no way to get a promotion, be it via the playoffs or automatic, or have a good season without having some games where you just have a shitty, stupid 1-0 win. And I think, ideally, Sunderland, the way that we would play, that doesn't happen that often. We are more likely to pull out a slick 3-0 win or get dicked 1-0 off Cardiff at home. I don't think it's so much that we don't want to win ugly. I think it's we don't know how to win ugly. I don't think Mowbray probably goes into the game saying, right, we need to win in this way, and then we can't. I think Mowbray just doesn't really know, or the team don't really know the ways to win, and that's just down again, I've said this word before, I think it's just experience. Like, I think, was it Equa that said after the Southampton game that he said, look, it's like playing in the backyard with all my mates, playing with my school friends. I'm just enjoying myself. And you can quite clearly see the team play like that. But like, if you were coming up against a bunch of like young players that want to like be exciting and play football and have fun and you're going to kick them, one of the first times to come up against that and the only thing we're going to improve and get better at winning ugly, I think, is by probably suffering defeats like this on occasional basis and, 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 and pick occasional basis. That doesn't make sense on an occasional basis. And I think that's probably the only way forward. I don't think we're too idealistic in approaching it. I just don't think we know any other way to play it. So in a sense, yes, we are, but I don't think it's a purposeful thing. Um, I think it's just, again, down to experience. And I think that's really, really tough. Um, a couple of questions I wanted to ask about the Leicester game because we've got about sort of five minutes or whatever till Zoom tells me that I need to pay for it and I'm not doing that. Um, I don't like doing this podcast that much. So, look, you need a win and then you say, right, who we got? In- oh, no, Leicester away. It's the toughest game of the season without a doubt. Like their team's a Premier League team and everywhere shapes as in form. Um, how do we navigate the game, Dave, to make sure we come out with a result? And again, I'm making you the next on the manager if you know the actual answer to it but from a fan perspective like how do we navigate the game during the week to ensure we get something from it yeah um, I I think exactly just reiterate what you've just said I I don't think anybody should get their hopes up in the fact that we're going to change the way that we play um, because it's not going to happen that's the type of players that we've got in the squad and and that's what we're that's what we're going to have to contend with. I mean, it's not all doom and gloom, is it? Because the way we try to play football is is nice. It's pretty. It's it's as Bowser said, idealistic. As a really famous, brilliant northeast manager once said, it's actually football, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> Alan Shearer didn't like him, did he? I loved him personally. Um, yeah, well, where can you change it? Do I? You've said Silt comes across like a big, huge, imposing figure. Do I think for a damn second that Tony Mowbray is going to put Silt against Jamie Vardy or Kalecci in a natural? Absolutely no danger whatsoever. I'll tell you who I wouldn't have minded playing centre-half against either of them two. Danny Bart. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not hanging on to former glories. That's the third time I've said it now, so you can, you can name the podcast that. No former glories here. 
I miss you, Ross. Ross, I miss you. Stop it. <laughs> um, yeah, if Leicester are naive, give us too much respect. It would not shock me one little bit if we went and won 2 0. However, the firepower that they have, they went 1 0 down to Swansea yesterday. I fully expect that we will get beat. And that just means it's a bit of a free hit. Um, I don't think we'll draw. I don't think we've got draws in the locker room. I think we either win or mm. get beat all season. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Uh, I'm I'm not too optimistic, but at the same time, I'm also not going to cry my eyes out if we get beat. Yeah, and you know what? I want I wanted to ask that in a way, like because you're saying like, oh god, like Leicester. Look, look. Did you see Leicester's starting lineup yesterday? I looked through it and I was like, there's absolutely no chance that they're like a championship team. They had James Justin, England international, at left back. Jamie Vardy up front. Harry Winks in midfield and Didi Vestergaard at the back, Dewsbury Hall. <laughs> On the bench, they had Connor Cody, Kalechi Inacho, Mark Albrighton, Harry Suter, Patton Dagger, and Hamza <laughs> Chowdhury on the bench. And I was I just really, like... I genuinely reckon like Connor Cody is still probably, and we all know how good old Nord Southgate is, he's never going to pick him. But I still think Connor Cody is about the fifth best centre-half in, in the country. I think I think he's the fifth best English centre half. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. Like, and I mean, they've got an abundance of riches, right? But they're going to be overwhelming favourites. We're already talking about the players that they've got and stuff like that. So, final question on it: With us being outsiders to win the game, is it a bit of a free hit? Does the fact that there's no pressure on us mean that we might actually we could turn up and just play the way we want to play? And you know, you never know. Completely. Um, I think Southampton, I think a lot of people will have looked at Southampton game and thought, yeah, this could be a bit of a struggle. Do I think it'd be a free hit? Yes. It's like the Southampton game, isn't it? Where the football and gods decided it'd be our day and we all had a fantastic day out and we absolutely smashed them. Um, the same could be said here. I it's tough when you've just mentioned all the names that you've got there. You're like, how on earth are you playing championship football? It's absolutely mad to think that. I mean, Ian Acho, come up, how much did Leicester pay for Ian Acho back in the Eight day? Mil. And it was only... So, you know, it's absolutely crazy, isn't it? Um, it, it might well be, but I, I think I think we've we've now got a level, a lot of us as fans have got a level of understanding of where we're at. Mm-hmm. If we get beat, it's not the end of the world. The, there's part of me, and it's the optimist in me. Never thought I'd say I was as optimistic as a Sunderland fan. But we do normally bounce back from a little bit of adversity. We haven't had too much adversity, realistically, in the last couple of seasons. But we we said when bloody we got beat 5-1 off Stoke, like, let's play a Lugo 9 up top, let's change it about a little bit. <laughs> and we were completely right oh no no we didn't do that and we mm. still got in the playoffs so I think they've earned a little bit of trust that's Mowbray as well I think they've earned a little bit of trust and and let's see how we get on completely agree with you it is a massive free hit yeah I, I agree with you on the, the credit in the bank as well I think the players and the management, the reason we've been um, so positive for most of the season and most of the time that the, the players have been here is because they've shown they can, for as young as they are, that they are quite good in adversity and they don't let us down for much longer than three or four games at a max. So fair play, you know, onwards and upwards. If we lose, it's no big deal. Um, it is Leicester. They've got an abundance of riches and parachute payments, but let's just have a crack at it. But uh, 
thanks for joining me, Dave. Let's hope it's uh, more positive next week. Absolute pleasure, mate. And uh, yeah, onwards and upwards. Subscribe. <laughs>